Ladies and gentlemen, citizens of the universe, fantasy footballers, Dynasty League dirtballs, NFL draft fans, and DFS degenerates worldwide, this is the Roster Watch Podcast, presented by RosterWatch.com. Roster Watch Nation, prepare for pop, flash, and sizzle. Prepare for knowledge bombs and cockamamie business. The Roster Watch crew is here to deliver the goods you can't find anywhere else. Here is your host, RosterWatch.com Editor-in-Chief, Alex Dunlap. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to episode six of the Roster Watch podcast brought to you by rosterwatch.com. My name is Alex Dunlap here as always with Byron Lambert. A big episode now. We just got done with our travel back from Indianapolis. We haven't even gotten to with Roster Watch Nation about our thoughts from inside the uh, PFWA viewing suites at Lucas Oil, watching the quarterbacks and the wide receivers at the 2017 NFL Combine. A ton of that stuff to get to. We're going to get to some news and notes and some of our general takeaways and thoughts as they pertain to the NFL draft prospects and also some of the league personnel that we were able to address there at the Combine. But first, I want to give a quick reminder to everybody, if you like the content, go to iTunes, go to Stitcher, give us a review or give us a rating. Byron, I was looking to, at our iTunes page and of all the people that tell us they like this podcast and they listen and they complain to us on Twitter about when's the new podcast coming out, we don't have enough ratings on Twitter for it to even display a rating. It says not enough ratings for this to even be displayed. What do you think of that? We need more effort. We It's taken after the trash man. It's, you guys are taken after the trash man. You guys are supposed to be Roster Watch Nation. Go give us a good uh, rating on there so we can keep doing the podcast. We can hopefully... Um, you know, hopefully entice some sponsors and some advertisers to come on here so we can keep the podcast going. What, uh, what is it that you and I talked about at the bar next to Bruce Arians on our last night in Indianapolis? About... That the absolute worst his, thing in life that you that you you can possibly be is lazy. It's true. And it's the one thing that you have in your control. <laughs> it is. Don't it really be is. a trash man. Don't be lazy. Yes, go give us a review on iTunes or Stitcher or just a ranking. Take two seconds, literally, to inside your phone. Click five stars. Uh, with that said, onward to news and notes. Well, I think that's a great point. We'll get to our wide receiver scorecards from inside Lucas Oil Field. Session and explain one. what a wide receiver scorecard is. And session two. Uh, let's get to some of the noteworthy performances along with some highlights from the NFL Combine. But first, of course, let's dive in with some news and notes. We'll tie it in to all the intelligence we came away from Indianapolis with. This is a good one. Right off the bat, the 49ers have released wide receiver Torrey Smith. So instantly for me, the first thing I start thinking about right here and right now is for teams like Miami, teams like Carolina, who are maybe faced with guys like Kenny Stills and Ted Ginn trying to fly the coop for big contracts. The crosshairs ought to be right on Torrey Smith. Torrey Smith should, I mean... At 28 years old. Is he only 28? Only 28. I, well, thank God he didn't give me an over-under prop because I would, have, I would have lost money right here on the podcast. Yeah, I mean, for me, this move makes sense for the 49ers. I mean, they don't have anybody else at wide receiver, but he's, he's not the answer. He's a complimentary piece to a team who already has good wide receivers in place 
uh, elsewhere across the depth chart. Well, my chart. question is, well, yeah, exactly. I just want to pull. I want to go to our lads and just pull up a a 49ers, like the 49ers roster, and or the 49ers depth chart, and just see who they even like. Just remind myself who the, who is there behind uh, Tory Smith, and. As I do, I mean, it's a. If you forget, Bruce Ellington was a starter. Quentin Patton, like those guys. It's it's guys like Aaron Burbridge and Jeremy Curl. Aaron Burbridge, I think we saw him at the Senior Bowl last year. Is this the worst? Well, I'd say Jeremy the 49ers Curley. and the Rams are the worst wide receiver depth charts in the league. DeAndre Smelter, I mean, that's a guy who we kind of. Well, we've just been hoping for some. I mean, he came into the league, I think, in 2015. So. Maybe he's a guy who year. could come on. We should pro- it's probably a guy we should have asked about how we, you know, seen this coming at the combine. But I, they're going to have to draft wide receivers, or they're going to have to pick one up in free agency. Well, fortunately, there's quite a few wide receivers that can be drafted in the middle rounds. But I don't think they're wide. Re- quite well, a few. There's not a, quite a few wide receiver ones in this draft. For all the talk of the depth of this draft. I yeah, think the depth it, of the wide receiver class is quality, but it's this quality, is not the Mike depth. Evans, Odell Beckham, no, Lord, Sammy no. Watkins type no. of draft. It's there's I think Kelvin no, was in that one. Yeah, there's no, it's it's yeah. it's not, <laughs> nothing. So let's like that. let's bring this thing back to reality a little bit. There's nice depth, of quality of talent, but the top end talent for somebody like San Francisco who need a number one, boy, you sure can see them go. They, I can sure see them going after Alshon Jeffrey. He'd yeah. be a good fit with Kyle Shanahan. Just, he likes a I, big. Do you want to pay Alshon all that money right now when you're going to be just developing a new quarterback and stuff anyway? Don't you want to pay those guys big money once the quarterback has come along and you can bring in the yeah, new? I think or, that or, makes or a lot it, of sense. Or is it? Or on the flip side, is it good to have like a player like that who's a dependable, really good option for a young quarterback? You know, you got to spend your some your money somewhere. But yeah, I mean, I'd like San Francisco needs to rebuild the offensive line. They need to rebuild the secondary. Certainly, those are great points, Alex. Uh, I tend to agree with you uh, uh, there. And that's part, part of the reason that they've said, see you later to Torrey Smith. No reason to retain that guy, right? No. And look at you this. You know who I want to see? I want to see what happens with We're Bruce Ellington. $90 million in cap space. So they I mean, can they do got to spend their money. They have, they have the second most cap gotta space They've got to spend the their money. And they've still got – do they still have Blaine Gabbard on the roster? And that's not counting that – oh, man. They cut Torrey Smith – he was well. You can see you can't stomach paying him nine point four four seven five mil, but I mean that was he still four point eight of that was dead. So you have actually more like ninety five ninety five ninety five. It's a tremendous amount of cap space, but you want you do want to use it uh, wisely. Which John Lynch, we'll see what he does. That was the third highest cap hit on the whole entire team, and that they just got rid of. Expe- Very interesting. I'd expect to see the 49ers. I'd have done it too. Good for John Lynch. I see the 49ers going active with the secondary, the offensive line, linebacking core even. Really. I mean, they could they could be – I just it really – it's going to depend on what Shanahan wants. If he wants to come in and have a first-year quarterback that he thinks could be the future, that they're going to pay like a – I mean, there's this stuff going around on Twitter today about giving Mike Glennon something like $14 million bucks, $15 million bucks. I mean, I'm a Bomani Jones on this thing. He's on my Twitter saying, like, how do you give a guy $15 million bucks who the Bucks don't even think can be an NFL starter? It's the market for the quarterbacks. Well, it's, it's cockamamie. 
It's too much well, to give the, Mike the Glenn. The cap is huge now. Nah, give, 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 You've got it. Give it's, me a rookie. Hey, we'll, we'll get into these rookies, but they're there's not enough rookies. Not there's so many teams that need quarterbacks. There's not enough rookies. This is pure economics, supply and demand. Mike Glennon can ask for that much money. We'll see if he gets it, but he can ask for that much money legitimately right now. Hey, and we've said it all along that if we were in need of a, a quarterback, you, especially you, in a weak quarterback. Mike Glennon can ask for as much as Tyrod or Garoppolo or any of those guys? I think, he, yeah. He can ask for it. That's the market. He has tape that has, he has tape as an NFL quarterback. That's so NFL does Tyrod Taylor, and the Buffalo Bills aren't paying him. That's no good. Yeah, the Buffalo's tape is no good. What do you mean? They just have, they have Jameis Winston. Glennon's tape's not horrible. It's not good. Well, it's not. I'm not saying it's great, but he's had limited time to play. You've been saying for a long time that was somebody that somebody like a Bruce Arians would sniff Arizona, around. Arizona, Iowa, you're not that there low because on his Mike arm Glennon. is so good. Yeah. Well, he's a heady guy. You know, he's like a. I mean, I think that's just the situation with the NFL. Half the half the league needs a quarterback. You and there's that. not enough go. We've heard everybody's names mentioned. Oscar's you hear Johnny Manziel's name mentioned. Vince Young's name mentioned. This is how desperate you've heard, you've teams are. Vince Young's name mentioned for the CFL. I think it's I think it's crazy that we're even talking about Glennon getting paid just as much. Well, that's either these hot. You heard what you you heard you heard the whispers in Indianapolis. Expect Tony Romo to get that kind of money. That's that's shocking to me too. Yeah, well, Tony I, Romo I mean, is is is. Can be he might not play ten minutes. I understand he might not play ten minutes, but in theory, you don't sign a guy thinking that he's only going to play ten minutes. I don't think you take. I guess it's just. I don't know what I don't. I, I, I don't know what facts, what facts you're looking at. If you're if you're looking at Tony Romo and not considering that a strong possibility, you're living with your head in the sand. I would so much rather pay Tony Romo fifteen million dollars than Mike Lennon. That's why you're not an NFL GM. Uh, and, and 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 to say that is absolutely ridiculous. You would rather pay Glennon. $15 million than Tony Romo? I would try not to pay him that much, but if I had to pick between those two, depending on the state of my franchise, I'd rather invest in Glennon if it's close. I mean, I just, I wouldn't. I'm not going to pay that guy. I don't think he's worth $15 million. I think Romo has upside to be worth it. I know that Glennon is not. Well, and I, but here's the thing, too, is I don't think that... Here's the thing. Jameis Winston was drafted because he's Jameis Winston. I don't think that's a total indictment on Glenn either. We'll see what happens. Nonetheless, speaking of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, we've been saying for a while if Mike Evans, if there's no safety over to the top, Mike Evans is going to feast. We love the speculation of Deshaun Jackson to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Deshaun Jackson, he's just seeking 10 to $12 million a year. I mean, this it's the probably, whole everybody. It's probably, it's probably, it's everybody's probably asking for the moon and the stars right now. That's what you're <laughs> supposed to do. It's the first wave of free agency. The first thing you got to learn is to be able to ask for the money. That's what these guys are doing. Well, there's you know that I have no problem with people asking for the money. Who else is asking for the money? Let's see here. <laughs> Terrell Pryor's asking for the money. He's drawing interest from the aforementioned 49ers. Well, I told you that there's going to be some kind of you know. How, I was asking who's going to get paid more. It was one of the first topics on the I think, first or second episode of this show. Who would get paid more in guaranteed money, Alshon Jeffrey or Terrell Pryor? I still think it'll probably be Alshon. But I think that Terrell Pryor is going to draw most more interest than most people think he's going to draw. He, dude, he looks like Calvin Johnson out there, physically. Now, he's not the wide receiver Calvin Johnson was yet, of course, but when you see him lined up there out there at the ex-wide receiver, he looks like a big, giant, oversized robot <laughs> like Megatron did. 
You think Kenny Britt's in position to ask for the money? I think he's in position to ask for seven to eight million dollars a year. That's this to me. That's the same thing as Mike Glennon asking for fourteen million a year. It's just an inflated so. market Kenny, because of Kenny a lack Brad, of Kenny Britt had a good season. Kenny Britt had a good season. It's Kenny Britt. It's it's Jared Goff. It's, it's a pathetic, terrible offense that couldn't get it's anything Kenny else Britt. done. Why? Just because he's still a turd? You think? I'm just saying we've had a he's had a whole career in the NFL to judge him by. I'm just saying the numbers are inflated. The cap is huge. The the numbers that used to shock us, we need to get used to. Kirk Cousins is trying to get twenty eight million dollars a year. He's he's, he's going to get twenty five million a year. Very presidential. It's the world that we're living in. Speaking of the wide receivers, uh, Kenny, one of the uh, rumored destinations for the for Kenny Britt may be the Philadelphia Eagles, which is interesting because there's it's being floated that the Eagles would be interested in parting ways with Jordan Matthews via trade to try to recuperate some type of compensation for him before, I guess, the writing on the wall is they're not planning on re-signing him. Uh once his rookie contract is up this year, or they're sending a clear signal that they want to get a deal done, uh, a reasonable deal done uh, there. So Jordan Matthews out, maybe Kenny Britt in in Philadelphia. I'll say this. I don't know if it's a likely destination or not. And when I think of Jordan Matthews, I think a good potential destination for him is the Carolina Panthers. They're not happy with Kelvin Benjamin and Devin Funches. They've been looking at slot receivers I don't think Cam Newton can be accurate to a small slot receiver. I think Jordan Matthews has the kind of body in the slot that Cam Newton could actually connect with. I think he can also play on the outside in the case that Kelvin Benjamin, Devin Funches, or Kiaris Garrett don't really emerge uh, there as they need as they need to. I, don't I mean, hope Kiaris That's emerges. pure speculation. Yeah, Dave Get- or Ron Rivera told us at the Combine uh, that second-year Kiaris Garrett, who they signed an undrafted free agency, after the draft last year, but it was a really, really nice, big prospect that we were pretty high on and last you year. you know what? I was looking back through our uh, – we're going to get into later on when we start talking about these prospects from inside Lucas Oil this year. I was looking back at our wide receiver scorecards from last year, and I remembered very quickly that Kiaris Garrett was right, at the, right at the very top. And normally those big, big, tall guys don't because they're a little bit lumbering coming in and out of their breaks. Yeah, Ron says that he they're they're very excited about Kiaris' development and – he definitely expects him uh, to get a chance this year. And I'll tell you, if you put that up with what Gettleman told us about Kelvin and Devin Funches, I think that thing is wide open. They want the best players playing, and they didn't get enough out of their starters last year. I think Jordan Matthews to the Carolina Panthers is a per- is a perfectly nice hypothetical. Especially if you if know you really let you let a Ted Ginn go, you spend maybe less money on the younger guy who fits a nice area of need. They've really been concentrated on that slot receiver at every turn so so far throughout the offseason, the NFL draft process. Uh, it'll be interesting uh, to who, watch. Who, who wins this trade? I'm looking at the Dynasty League football, the FF Ghost trade database that we use here sometimes to gauge trade value mm-hmm. as this thing pulls the uh, all the MF, all the My Fantasy League data. And um, the uh, who gets the better side? Terrell Pryor? Or the Rob Kelly, Sammy Coates side? Oh, I'd much rather have Terrell Pryor. So would I. I'm, I'm looking at this. All right, TJ Yeldon in a two or Terrell Pryor in a four? 
I'd rather have Terrell Pryor. Pryor. The There's four. just no upside with Yeldon. I'm just I'm trying to look and find some more that uh, I mean it's kind of looking like this is just a straight up Terrell Pryor for a 2017 two. Um, you see a couple where he's traded for a he's traded here for Terrell Pryor and a two for Jeremy Hill. I don't know, man. I'd rather have Terrell Pryor. In all of those. So I think it goes to show that Terrell Pryor is it's probably pretty valuable good, right now. No, I think Terrell Pryor is being undervalued no, right now. he's valuable to us. Yeah, yeah. But he we can val- be had for... Yeah, if we, yeah if, we, if we can have him for those kinds of prices, I'm going to be tossing out some offers just probably after we get off this podcast <laughs> in my dynasty leagues for Terrell Pryor. There's a player in the NFL that apparently multiple GMs are tossing out offers for. Saints wide receiver Brandon Cooks. He's been a little bit of a diva there in New Orleans. There's a guy that Alex and I tend to carry, don't think can carry the water for a passing offense. But he's drawn quite a bit of interest. There's been talk about the Eagles, the Patriots. Uh, they referenced a, reference a first-round pick from the Patriots, but that was just going to be some kind of swap. You can, you can believe uh, Bill Belichick's not giving up any kind of first-round pick outright uh, for Brandon Cooks. But now... Charles Robinson of Yahoo is reporting that the Titans are considered the front runners for Brandon Cooks. What would you give up for Brandon Cooks? I'd get, I'd trade Brandon Cooks away for a one, especially if I know he's going to to Tennessee, a low volume exotic smash mouth. Like they're going to try what they're what the plan is is to smash the ball with Demarco and Derrick Henry and take the deep shots to that guy. It's going to be inconsistent. It's going to be up and down. It's going to be a, an average that is not one bit supported by the median. Well, and as opposed to you made a good point that to hear New England sniffing around Brandon Cooks, that tells you something. That tells you that somebody like Bill Belichick probably has a real specific plan in mind. It also tells me that he may have had a high grade on Brandon Cooks Coming out, coming out in the draft just a and few if that's years the ago. Case, it, I mean, it, it honestly makes me feel think that's how much I respect Belichick. It makes me think a little bit more highly of Brandon Cooks. If that's the case, I still just don't. I just think that that offense. I if he's not going to stay in New Orleans, he was an up and down, inconsistent. Op, hit the home road splits. He was an inconsistent option even in New Orleans. In, well, in I'd a, hate in a it prolific for Mal- offense. I'd hate it for Malcolm Mitchell. What I could well, well, see I, though, I, I thought it, I thought we were talking about Tennessee. Oh, I'm just saying we're talking about how Bill Belichick and the Patriots oh, okay. have a specific. Well, I'm saying like if it was, you, but you said it looks like Tennessee's the the front runner. I'm saying if that's the case, I want to sell him right now because we can sell him for a for a one in in Dynasty. If it were to New England, yes, I would hate it for Malcolm Mitchell. I think I'd hate it a little bit. For, I'd hate it for like Edelman and stuff too. I'd hate it a little. Uh, for I everybody. don't think it'd be good, really good for anybody specific. I think to it'd me, be it's good just, for the I, Patriots' offense. It'd be a schematic thing. And, and it wouldn't be would, to open up the run game. It would be to open up that intermediate passing game that defenses can just squat on right now. I think schematically, that's makes a lot of sense for the Patriots. For the Eagles, I'd rather sign a young Brandon Cooks than an older Deshaun Jackson. Sounds to me like he's. Out in New Brandon, Orleans, Brandon Cooks. Oh, he's on the move. Sounds too to many like, trade targets. If we don't hear anything ideas. now, you would. I expect him to potentially be traded during the draft. Speaking of the Patriots, our good friend. God, hey, go after Michael Thomas because he can be had for at least as of last week. He could be had basically for so for much less cheaper than Brandon Cooks. Cooks. And there may be people in your league not paying attention right now. Yes, although now's most time, dynasty owners it, it are pretty the, maniacal. Most are pretty maniacal, but you know now's the time if if you still can. Uh. 
our good friend and associate uh, NFL draft insider, uh, Mike Loiko, he, who you'll definitely want to go, go to his Twitter page and he has pinned at the top. It's uh, at NEPD Loiko. It's his combine performance spreadsheet. He tracks, uh, all the combine metrics for every single player that, that work all 400 players that work out there. He updates it live. It's been a tremendous resource the last few days. It's, it's just easier to navigate than anything that they anything have on else. NFL, And you're going to want to access it from now through the NFL draft and potentially even, even after the draft, just to see, you know, the guys, your, your teams pick what, what their, uh, you know, what their specs are like. Uh, nonetheless, he's, he's also a Patriots um, insider and Mike is speculating that LeGarrette Blount will not be back. That's the first he speculated of that. He's getting in. He's, I've been hearing a little he bit. He says of that he's too. getting ready for LeGarrette Blount to get some decent offers because of the, some of the shortages at running back. I mean, hell, we heard, boy, we're going to hate Rick Spielman if this happens. We heard from whispers at the combine that Rick Spielman views Latavius Murray as an Adrian Peterson type who can actually catch the football. If this is how desperate teams That's are ridiculous. getting for running backs. Hey, it, if that's it, the case, he's going to fall down our GM rankings for the should. next update. He's a free fall, an absolute free fall. If he if he's going to get rid of a generational back and Adrian Peterson, who's who's clearly yeah aging, I get it. But go after Latavius, and you even thought that he might have to pay Latavius more money than he would have to pay Adrian Peterson, and maybe have more long term resources committed in that idiot. Yeah, dude, he that he. That's a free fall down the GM rankings. On the flip side, we'd certainly love if Adrian Peterson ended up in Oakland. I think that's a well, le- that's been the dream come true. Le- ever I since think the it's a legitimate beginning. possibility. We'll have to keep an eye on that. Couple more news and notes here. I think this is interesting. Some of some really what happened to these offensive linemen? What happened to guys like uh so Chance Warmack? The Titans aren't expected to re-sign him. That's just hard to believe. Like, that's Matt like him Jokel. Matt Khalil is well, expected, not expected to be re-signed we seen that in one Minnesota. Coming. We know that Jokel sucks in Jacksonville. Which is so hard to believe. The evaluation that I had on him was through the roof. Who's, who's, the, who's the other guard from that Arizona drafted, broke his leg, ended up in New Jonathan England? Jonathan Cooper. Jonathan Cooper. What the hell happened to all these these were these were players that people were saying were the best prospects they'd seen in a generation. Yeah, at their position. Well, their I position. mean, Warmack really seemed like it. And every year we'd ask about him at the combine, and we, you know they've been they, they'd been less than impressed. They, those are all guys I think the Jokels, the Warmacks, all like if those guys get waived, they're going to get picked up and they're going to get contracts elsewhere just by somebody that still had that high draft grade on them. You know that that thinks there might still be something that their offensive line coach can pull out. What do you think about getting to some notable combine performances? Yeah, let's do it. Uh, this is it's Alex Dunlap and Byron Lambert here on the Roster Watch podcast, brought to you by RosterWatch.com. This is episode six. Again, please give us a good rating and/or review on iTunes and Stitcher. You can find all of our content at RosterWatch.com. If you're not already, go to RosterWatch.com. Get a pro membership. It costs less than a cheap cup of coffee. You'll have access uh, through the offseason to our team reports that will be coming soon with a salary cap and uh, you know other just in- vital and critical roster information as we go through uh, free agency and the draft process. Also, the, uh, the entire database of pro day footage 
uh, as well as something we're about to talk about here pretty soon, and that's the wide receiver combine uh, scoring sheet where we graded every single route run by every single wide receiver like we have the last few years just to kind of quantify what had previously to us been sort of an unquantifiable portion of the combine workout, which is the actual on-field workout. And we think it's an important one to see how they move, see how their feet are, see how they get in and out of these cuts. And it doesn't change. Like from year to year, it's the same exact drill in the same exact order. And so we can even look at this year's scores, compare them versus last year's scores, and just get an idea of the kind of animal that we're looking at here as far as an on-field workout warrior in the past, it's been a great indicator for future success. I mean, well, let's not bury the lead here. I mean, we got to get right into it. The guy who who potentially had the worst showing at the NFL Combine of the big names is Florida State running back Dalvin Cook. This is a guy that when we left media sessions on Thursday and we saw his body type, we listened to him at the podium. And then we saw, uh, his, then we bench saw press. his bench press. He went off for 23 reps at the bench press, just really country strong. Started off hot, uh, ended up measuring in at 5'10. His weight was, uh, it was actually 5'10 and 3'8. His weight was 210 pounds, nine and a quarter inch hands. You know, but then this is where the rest of the combine unfolded for Dalvin Cook. Uh, you know, for a player that on tape looked like Chris Johnson. Um, people were at least expecting four, four, he ran four, five, and then he tested pitifully in the vertical jump, the broad jump, all the adrenaline jills, the three cone, the shuttles, things were Dalvin to the point where, you know, if a couple of these metrics are bad, you would have said, no big deal. I've seen the tape, but then you start saying, wait, all these agility metrics are bad. This is a type of player with the body type. He's not a big bruising running back. This is the kind of guy that I'd expect to test a little better when it comes to this. I mean, when you because look... It will, and the reason why is the reason why it's confusing is functionally he shows off these traits in his film. He looks agile as can be. He's, look, he's honestly one of the more sudden and elusive players that I've had the opportunity to evaluate during my time doing this professionally. And so it's just really weird that in the change of direction, agility, and mobility drills like that, he'd be one of the worst to test. To me, it makes me worry a little bit about his work ethic and his preparation. Because he honestly should be, she should have been better at those. Well, uh, before I, one thing we did hear too uh, in Indianapolis is that NFL teams have big, big concerns about Dalvin Cook's entourage. Uh, I, I'm not sure how meetings went. I'm, I, they may not have gone uh, spectacular. I don't think they went swimmingly. Just, uh, just, just based on the people that we talked to that, that are in the know and that are league sources, just based on the general vibe we I, were getting I, from. I them. think we're looking at a potential slide for Cook in the draft, maybe also in our dynasty leagues, obviously depend on where he ends up still. And and your boys at roster watch have told you the whole time that that Dalvin cook ADP at 1.01 in the early dynasty leagues is the rookie drafts idiotic. We cannot believe that people were passing over the beast. And, that is and the he'll have a chance later in the month at Florida state pro day. I have the, I have the exact date written down somewhere. I, I can, I can bring that up here shortly if we need to. I think it's the 24th, uh, it's 24th or 29th. I believe, uh, he'll have the chance to redeem himself some, but as it stands now, based on his combine performance, if you go to look at his mock draftable, uh, comparisons based on his combine outputs, he, he compares most closely to Chris Ivory which is it's just not a good weird. For him. That's a weird, weird, weird. We were weird expecting cop. a Chris Johnson, not a Chris Ivory. 
Wayne Gallman, and nobody else you've heard of. Jeremy Langford. Who, who's been horrible. We're not expect, you expect Dalvin Cook to blow Jeremy, Jeremy Langford's Langford. jock off. Yeah. The only guy on here that's any good is Dave Meggett. Still only 75% comparable. On the other hand, as Alex mentioned, we've been telling you, do not outsmart yourself. Do not complain about the garnish on your plate when you get served the biggest, nicest uh, Pittsburgh rare filet piece of filet mignon that you've ever had in your life, and his name is Leonard Fournette. It started hey, man, that's, hey, man, that's not a filet mignon. That's like a big like porterhouse, a big one, or like a, a bone-in like tomahawk ribeye. Interestingly, we got up pretty close to Fournette at the bench press. He he looks much closer to six two, but he came in at six foot and a half inch. I think that's a really nice measurement. Of course, he came in a little bit heavy at two forty. We saw him lifting his shirt up though, and the guy is cut up. I mean, I'm not sure he's heavy. Maybe that's just what he weighs. Yeah, I think he's just a big dude. Uh, you know, on the other hand, so he had the bad vertical jump, the 28-inch vertical jump, so that started drawing a lot of attention to begin. And that's the garnish I, on the side. To like, me, when you cares? watch Leonard Fournette play, he's not the kind of guy that strikes me would have a great vertical jump, and I really don't care about it. He ran the 4-5-1 a little slower than you'd expect. Guarantee he breaks 4-5 uh, at LSU Pro Day, especially if he gets the weight down a little bit. And the one thing we'll say about Leonard Fournette, and I've said this forever, his 40 speed's good. I think his 60 speed is better. Uh, they simulcast Fournette, Cook, and Zeke, and Zeke beat those guys in the 40. I, if I put money down right now, I think Leonard Fournette takes Zeke Elliott in a 60-yard dash all day long. I think he takes him in 100 meters, too. A um, little bigger guy. I can understand it if he didn't get off quite as quickly. Uh, b- but the, the result is that Leonard Fournette came out with a size, speed, score, and rating at the Combine. That was in the very upper echelon of things. We're starting to get the real strong feelings that the Carolina Panthers, that Dave Gettleman is thinking about hiking up the big boy pants, running to the podium, <laughs> and calling out Leonard Fournette. Was well, it Dave Gettleman? Like we said, he's the te- he's the tell me what tell tell me what he can do guy. He doesn't want to hear what a guy can't do. And what you say hear- about Leonard Fournette? There's a there's not much you can tell. He's about what the he can ultimate do. can do guy. Well, yeah, he's the ultimate guy. Like, tell me what he can do. You say, you say, all right. Here, well, here's what he can do, and what he can do is just be an absolute beast that is just electric with his speed, that has better feet than anybody thinks. And the thing that I said is what one of our insiders from the Carolina Panthers told us when we had the opportunity to speak with him. He said, "Did you see him catching the football?" Did you see the way he framed it? What have I always told you? I've always said, he wasn't a high school receiver. Fine, maybe you're not going to line him up for 11 targets a game like Jarvis Landry, like Le'Veon Bell or David Johnson. I've always said there's a lot of David Johnson to Leonard Fournette, and it wasn't just the running style. The guy can catch the freaking football. Yeah, not not as big a hands as you'd think at nine and a quarter inch, but certainly big big enough for the threshold. That's just about the same as Calvin Johnson's hands. That'll do the trick. (laughs) That'll do the trick. Uh, I'll tell you one running back whose tape I've been impressed with. The knock on him, he's been a low-volume player. He's never really carried the load. He was a transfer from Alabama to Tennessee. That's running back Alvin Kamara. I'm fairly impressed with his tape. I came away watching his tape thinking he's definitely got some Ryan Matthews and some Jay Ajive to him. This is a big, big weigh-in for him at 214 pounds, a guy who was listed at 195 on Tennessee's uh, athletic department site. That was a huge concern. There's no way you can be a Ryan Matthews or Joe Adai player 
at 195, but you certainly can be at 214. And we'll tell you, Alvin Kamara had he was explosive uh, in the uh, broad and the vertical jumps. The 40 was, you know, like the rest of these guys, it seemed a little slow in the in the in the four fives. But Alvin Kamara is the guy that came out with the highest spark score of all the running backs. Uh, from this year's, it was, it was the big broad jump, and he had a big vertical, thirty-nine and a half. From this I, year's, I, NFL I never know because depending on who you listen to, when you watch his film from back in in college, the, some of the announcers call him Kamara, and some of them call him Kamara. Maybe Kamara. I, I think it's a. I think it's like a. Um, I think it's like a like a Mario Mario. Do you do you remember how Pat Summerall used to call him Mario Edwards? I certainly do. We'll have to get that straightened out over the course. <laughs> yeah of the NFL draft season. What we need to see on Camaro, we still got to see his agility drill, drills, his three cone, his 20, his 60 shuttle. I'll tell you, the other guy that did himself a favor on the scale was Kareem Hunt, one of our favorites from the Senior Bowl, coming in and weighing in at 216. He put on eight pounds from the Senior Bowl. That 208 was a little concerning there. He looked a little stouter. Might have shown up in his 40. What he ran, I want to say he ran 466. 462. 4.62 for Kareem Hunt. Not bad. Not bad. And honestly, Kareem Hunt's 36 a, and a half uh, inch vertical, Kareem, too. Kareem Hunt's a small space, explosive guy. He's not a long speed guy. That actually is just fine. Uh, I I think weighing in at 216 was good for him. And then I think my expectation for him was like a four, five, six or something. That's probably what he'll tested his pro day on a hand time. I'd say last but not least, Christian McCaffrey had himself a really nice NFL combine. He, when he walked out to do the bench press, boy, the kid's got some pipes on his arms, but he has you could tell he had a weak little chest. And you know, he's kind of small in the head and the face, kind of fine in the in the neck and all that. So he's not real, real heavily built up there. So he struggled with only 10 reps on the bench press, but he came in and killed the agility drills, I'm ran sure a nice he, 40. Sure, he killed his interviews. He's verticals. basically interviewing with a bunch of people that all, all knew his dad. All these guys played in the league. Yeah, you know? ev the, every, all NFL brass loves – the sample yes. we took was <laughs> that NFL brass loves Christian McCaffrey. They're prepared to find a way to use him. I almost think that to, – to borrow a Mayock term, I almost think that Jack Del Rio might pound the table a little bit for Christian McCaffrey at the end of the first round for the Raiders if he's available. Just by the way he was talking about him. He was talking about him like this is a guy who I've already seen. The question's been asked about him at one level, going from high school to college, about how he's going to be used. He, he's proved every doubt or wrong. He, I think he actually said he's going to do the exact same thing going from college to the NFL. Jack Del Rio is confident about that. Let's get to a couple other notable players and noteworthy combine performances. Really some of the uh, – some of the defender the the defenders have just blown the combine away in the last few days. We had we've had Jabril Peppers who's worked out with the linebacker core come in and run four four six, test very well in the in the vertical and the broad. Uh, the big news obviously though was defensive end Miles Garrett having the NFL combine of the of, of an a lifetime lifetime <laughs> it's such a beast man. coming in at 64 and a half 272 pounds 10 and 1 quarter inch arms i mean uh, 10 and 1 quarter inch hands uh he ran a 4640 at 272 pounds had a 41 inch vertical and a 10 foot 8 inch broad jump this was this is athleticism that's rarely been seen uh, from a player of this stature. Uh, this is a guy who likely at the Combine has outperformed Joey Bosa, uh, Julius Peppers, 
yeah, even Jadavian Clowney. The list really goes on. This is one of the historic uh, combine performances uh, for a defensive end. And that's just what they say, you know, another Mayockism, but checking the boxes. If you want the, what you saw on film with the production, the just ridiculous production, anybody who, t- who tells you that, you know, 36 sacks and 98 hurries and I think, what, 38 quarterback hits over the course of two seasons isn't production, they're absolutely crazy. All that guy was was productive. When you have this kind of combine like this that puts that sort of exclamation point on the college production, I just don't see any way that at a premium position, how does that guy not go first overall? Why is there even a discussion? Yeah, I, to me, that's the material implication of this performance is that Miles Garrett will be the number one overall pick to the Cleveland Browns. It would seem unless co- they trade out, it would seem totally cocky. Unless somebody falls in love and they they feel like they can get a huge thing of picks, you know, they're analytics guys there. They might feel like extra picks could. I mean, they clearly need some. They have some work to do on 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 that roster. Yeah, but he's a blue chip player. At some point, you've it's got, true. It's like some they have point so you've got to ca- exercise they 90, the they picks. They have ninety nine million in cap space. Some you point. can pay up for other stuff. You got it right. You're in the business to collect assets so that you can exercise them when the premium opportunities present themselves. Right. This is a and premium that, opportunity. That is the exact situation uh, with Miles Garrett. Let's not. Uh, forget that one of our favorite uh, all senior bowler, all senior bowlers for the 2017 all senior bowl team uh, was safety Obi. Uh, how do you say it? Melanofu. Melanofu, I think from UConn. Uh, this kid just blew the combine out of the water today. What what we'd seen? The reason he made the all senior look. There was two players that I pestered the hell out of these guys about all week at the senior bowl. One was Ryan Switzer. We'll talk wide receiver Ryan Switzer from UNC. We'll talk about him more. He scored really, really well on field uh, on Saturday. But the other one was this safety, Obi, uh, from UConn that I just saw just blowing up practice all week, just moving like a deer out there with huge range and ball skills, good hips, good feet for a guy his height. And the only question we had was his tackling ability. Could a player of that stature at the safety position, he's going to need to be able to uh, uh, be available in run support. We thought he was a little thin and wired to be able to do so. He and, came, then, and then what one NFL scout told us is there's a little bit of worry that you've never seen him. There's no NFL like comp him. for like, him. Th- there isn't a president. Well, the fact is he came right into the game, the senior bowl game. He wrecked shop and run support. The guy is an absolute monster. I saw it all week. We saw it all week. He made the All-Senior Bowl team, and he came in, and he just destroyed the, the NFL Combine. He came in at six foot three and seven eighths, two hundred and twenty four pounds, nine nine inch nine inch one inch uh, uh, inch hands, thirty two and a half inch arms. He ran a four four. His broad jump was eleven foot. Nine <laughs> inches. I didn't even know. About Let me just that. tell you what the record for that position is. Recent combine records are twelve foot three inches, and the historical average for for a safety is ten feet. He outjumped the historic average by almost two feet, and maybe more impressive. And he weighs more, much, so much more than any other safety that's ever been like that's ever come through there at two twenty four. And even more impressive, he put up a forty four inch vertical jump, <laughs> one one inch short of the recent combine record of forty five inches, and over over eight inches more 
than the average at his position. This is an explosive player. Reminds me a lot of Byron Jones, who came out of UConn just recently. His height, his length. Boy, I start thinking Seahawks, Seahawks, Seahawks. When I look at Obi, and if you saw the clips on Twitter, when Obi ran his 40, there's clips on Twitter of Pete Carroll, uh, of his pants Pete. shuffling a little bit. <laughs> And they're in need to to yeah. kind of continue to contribute to that secondary up there. I could really see it happen. I think Obi has submitted himself yeah. as a first round draft pick. Before we get to the wide receiver performance scorecards and some of the highlights of the wide receiver workouts, uh, we do have to mention that as a group, the most historic performance we've seen in recent years, maybe in a long time at the NFL Combine, certainly belong to the tight ends. Oh God, they're just such a group of beasts, man. Between O.J. Howard and uh, Evan Ingram, and those are guys that we knew from the Senior Bowl, but, I mean, I had no idea that Evan Ingram was going to run a 4-4-6. I mean, I, I, didn't, I didn't know. I knew I, – I think I knew that O.J. Howard was going to run something. What, what did he run, a 4-5? Right I think now. it was a 4-5-0. I think I knew he was going to run something just like that. Well, let's uh, go down Evan the Ingram, though, I had no idea a 4-4-6 out of that guy. We'll go, there, this, this, this tight end class is so deep, we can't go down all of them. Because like we said from the Senior Bowl, there's players who are going to be available in like the 6th, 7th round of the NFL draft that are really pretty solid yes, uh, and tight all, end prospects. Yes, and, all, and all of our pro members are going to have access to the Dynasty Cheat Sheets this year. Whenever you get them, we go super deep on them, and the tight ends are going to be certainly accounted for in the well, third and fourth round of our rookie drafts because it is such a deep Well, field. it's a great point that if you need help in your Dynasty roster with tight ends, this is going to be this an excellent year. year to this do. This is the year to We've load We've already up. mentioned that you should be looking to trade for Tyler Higby of the, St. Louis, of the Los Angeles Rams uh, if you're looking to buy low on a second-year tight end. Um, that's certainly going to be something you want to consider, but you got a lot of options in this year's rookie draft. So let's, yeah, let's start with it. OJ Howard, the headliner, probably left the combine. Yeah, I mean, I think cer cemented certainly as a top 20 pick. Would not be surprised Possibly if he's top, a top, it could be a 10. top 10. I mean, we've 12, seen guys, Eric Ebron. Like, Kellen like, Winslow, Eric Ebron. These guys go seven, eight. It's happened. OJ Howard came in at six foot five and six eights, 251 pounds with 10 inch hands. He reeled off a 4.51-second 4, 4 40-yard dash. That is, folks, that is blazing fast for a tight end. This is what we saw when he was streaking down the field on Saturdays with Alabama. Was That was 4.51 Do you know how big and fast Leonard Fournette looked running 4.51? He's bigger. And he ran, the, the great point. O.J. Howard ran the same 40 that Leonard Fournette ran. That's the kind of player that we're talking about there. Um Boy, the the probably the second headliner is coming into the combine for the tight ends is a guy that Alex got to spend time at the podium and says he's absolutely diabolical and maniacal. Maniacal, David Njoku from Miami. Yes. Why is he so diabolical, and maniacal? He just tells you straight up, man, that he is. He said that he's gonna, you know, he said that he's gonna break the combine's broad jump record. He didn't think that was. I don't think he ended up breaking it. He came close. He said uh, he wasn't sure what he was going to do on the vertical, but it was going to. It's he. He said that everybody would be impressed. He promised. He's just the you know he's the most confident, um, you know, borderline kind of cocky dude, and he he does it in sort of a fun way with the media to where you kind of like him. And I just I thought he was I thought it, like a bunch of his answers to questions were super you know you know guys like that they can answer questions and be super confident and kind of funny and stuff. I thought he. Thought he just did a real good job in his media session. I was definitely excited to see if he was going to perform and live up to all the talk, and he certainly did. 
Absolutely. Uh, he came in at six foot four, even 246 pounds with 10 inch hands, ran a four, six, four forty. I mean, that's plenty, plenty fast. Told Alex he was going to kill the vertical and the broad. He came in with an 11 foot, one inch broad jump. That is actually based on Mike Loiko's spreadsheet. That is actually good for a recent combine record, which Retiring. was previously 10 foot 11 inches that's an insane broad jump his vertical at 37.5 certainly outpaces the average for the position as well now those are the two headliners but let's get to there there's three more guys that we have to get to here our favorite from the senior bowl i mean as good as oj howard is i'm not going to say he's a better prospect than oj howard but he's my favorite and that's Ole miss tight end evan ingram this guy beasted at the senior bowl he looks like an Aaron Hernandez type prospect at the Senior Bowl. Oh, and he doesn't run a four four six. He ran a four four two, which confirmed the Aaron oh, Hernandez that we God. saw running around in Mobile. He's that fast. He came in at two thirty four with ten inch hands, reeled off the four four two four four two. He had really nice work in the agility drills. He certainly outperformed. Look at his averages at, at his, at his position. Cone. Yeah. Which is exactly what we saw on the field. This is a versatile, versatile weapon. It's hard. I'm hard pressed to see Evan Ingram getting out of the first round of the draft. He he's going to go if he's out of the first round. He's going to be one of those guys that overnight between day one and day two, GMs are pl they're plotting, they're pulling how they're going to get up early into round two in order the to get an Evan best, Ingram. It looks like the second best three cone. The is it second best? Yeah, the second best three cone. The on the short shuttle, it is the third best. Yeah. I mean, and then the broad 10-7. Jeez. Just unbelievable, man. And then the two guys that we're gonna have to go back and watch some more tape on. He killed the combine. Just killed arguably. It. Did not kill it as much as the next guy. This is the tight end who may have had the sickest performance of all. And we're talking about historic performances within Joku, Howard, Ingram. There's a guy who outperformed them. And that's tight end Bucky Hodges from Virginia Tech. He came in at six foot six, 257 pounds, with 10 and, 10 and 1 eighth inch hands. He ruled off a four, five, seven. At 257 pounds, six foot six. His broad jump, you thought Njoku's was the record at 11 1. No, the record is Bucky Hodges at 11 foot two with a 39 inch vertical. That was good for, that was best of the whole group. So we're going to have to go watch his tape, verify what kind of player that he is. But the fact is, he's the most explosive tight end in recent history to ever test at the NFL combine. Yeah. And there, I mean, and there were other guys that tested good too. Like, what about? Um, well, there's one more we need to get to for sure. Yeah, who? Well, well who he's was a senior it? bowler that we're gonna have to go back and do more work on. Who? Janu Smith. Oh right. He had a combine but, monster. But, but there's another guy that had a great combine too. It's um. I'll, I'll, so my I'll boy George Kittle. George Kittle had a great combine himself. So well, yeah, I got to sit in on George Kittle's interview. Uh, he was the one that told me that Ryan Switzer is the hardest worker he's ever met in his life. 
And nobody even knows about George Kittle. <laughs> yeah, That's what I'm saying. This guy tested out the roof an 11, uh, 11 foot broad jump, a 4.52, 247. Uh, however, Janu Smith, this was a guy that came to the podium and told us that he's an athlete. He could not wait to test. He expected to blow the combine out, and he said he could not wait to see how his numbers stack up against the man next to him. This guy sounds like a competitor. Who, who was the man next to him? Oh, he, he wasn't. Just, he was he just wants to say how it sticks up next yeah. to every man okay. next to him when the tight ends test out. Over to man next he was to very, him. very confident. He came in at six, two and a half, two forty-eight, nine and a quarter inch hands. It could be bigger, but at six two, that's fine. He came in and reeled off a ten foot seven inch broad jump, a thirty-eight inch vertical. But where he killed it is he ran a four one eight in the short shuttle. Definitely the best of the, the group. Yeah, the average is four four one. He destroyed that. So this actually is not the best. Sec, second best behind OJ Howard. But I mean, we're just we're talking about it's four one six four one eight. But uh, what the point is, we are talking about a huge group of tight ends. Not only for NFL teams to pick and choose from. If your NFL team is needy of a tight end, have no worries. Throughout the whole course of the draft, there's going to be levels of you know athlete at tight end available to you. And also in dynasty, like we said. Go to rosterwatch.com, get a pro membership because that cheat sheet is going to be leading you to get a tight end at some point. This is a year, even if you're not that tight end needy, it's a time to load up, especially in NFFC formats where you get 1.5 PPR for tight end scoring. Okay, Byron Lambert, Alex Dunlap here on the Roster Watch podcast, episode six, brought to you by rosterwatch.com. Please give us a rating and or a review on iTunes and Stitcher and go to rosterwatch.com. Get a pro membership. It costs less than a cheap cup of coffee. Never be a loser in fantasy football again, be it redraft, dynasty, or DFS in season. Byron, let's get to the wide receiver scorecards. First, your immediate thought. We got about 10 minutes here. Did I mention I had the pleasure of being disgusted by the trash man at my afternoon workout class today? No. What happened? The first thing he did was walk up to me. He says, oh, yeah, I heard Cooper Cup didn't have a very good combine. <laughs> I said, what? That's a trash man. Hater, what the hell's wrong with them? I said, nobody expected him to run a fast 40. Disgusting piece of human garbage. I said, what are you talking about? He killed it in our on-field performance scores. He did. He, he, when you take our averages, we've, we've sent these off to Mike Band to, to get our averages between Byron and I for the score on each single rep to where he can, he can uh, run it and get those averages. And I think he takes some stuff in there where he also factors in, uh, you know, height and speed and things like that and cooks it up into the formula to where we have the on-field scores and so when we get those we're going to have them up for our pro subscribers and you guys will all be able to see we're just going to go over some highlights though cooper cups could be right there near the top one of the best on-field performances that we have seen when i look at my um when i look at my overall score for him and i compare it to last year it is a it's you know basically the josh Doxson. um the Josh Doxson and Tyler Boyd on-field monster from well, last Tyler season. Tyler Boyd is probably a fantastic comparison for Cooper Cup. Well, that was my comparison for Cooper Cup. You go to rosterwatch.com, look at the article. Uh, the comparisons were Jordy Nelson and Adam Thielen because I had to have the token white guys in there to compare with them. And he honestly looks like Jordy Nelson running down the field on his tape. He's not quite as tall. But then my third comparison was Tyler Boyd, just due to the immense production, the fact that he's got a great possession receiver that runs great routes. And, it, you know, it was uh, – I am uh, 
I'm pleased to see that it's looking out like that's a that's a good comp. We we gave Roster Watch Nation good early intel, pre Senior Bowl intel on that one. Well, and let's 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 just stay with session one. So yeah, Cooper Cup finished as my number two wide receiver on field performance scores on session one. And so what this is is this is where Alex and I chart every route run by every receiver through the quarterback uh, wide receiver sessions one and two. Uh, they run about, what do we want to say? They run about 10 or 12 routes here. And we score each receiver on every repetition that they have. And then we tally these scores to find out who had the best performance. And did did we have agreement on session one at the very top? No. We didn't. No. I had a guy higher than Cooper Cup. So did I. Who they, was yours? They, they were different, though. <laughs> who was yours? You tell me yours. This sounds like a game of chicken. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and they, every year we leave the combine with some names that we got to come home and we got to start doing some homework on. And there was a cat that really blew it out for me, and that was wide receiver Victor Bolden who from was, Oregon State. Who, who, I, had no, who I, had, I had not watched, completely off of my radar. He's a five foot eight guy, 178. Uh, the tape on him from even this last year was a little bit limited. He looks like an electric slot returner, our boy, uh, or an, an electric kick returner and slot guy. Our boy Teron Davenport was a guy who told us that he thought that he was a very ex- explosive player in the mold of some of those uh, super fast guys out of Oregon State recently, a la the Brandon Cooks and the Marcus Wheatons. Um, but yeah, to- totally off my radar as well. And the interesting thing is, whenever Byron and I do this, we're up in the press box. We can't see what these guys' faces look like. We can't see what their names are. All we see is their numbers, so we're doing it blind. So every year, there's a couple of these random dudes who uh, who pop up that were not on our radars at all. we got to go back and look at Victor Bolden, I think, was number four with me above some really good other players who you know had bigger names coming into it. So I think he, Victor Bolden is going to be right at the top of the list. We're going to have to look, but he certainly... We got some work to do on Victor Bolden because these are well, some pathetic I, I went combine look, measurements that he had. I went to look at him on mock draftable last night, and do you know what his mock draftable uh, comparison was? The number one comparison, which is interesting. Another guy who had pathetic combine measurements, who's the same size, who we dazzled us on the on, during on field drills, was Ace Sanders. Well, that's not a good comp. No. Well, one thing we'll admit is that these guys are running routes versus air. It's easier for the small guys to look a little bit better out there than the tall, big guys who look a little stiffer. Nonetheless, uh, a lot of good routes by Victor Bolden. That'll be some one guy to pay attention to. Who was your top guy? It was it was Carlos Henderson from Louisiana Tech. Um, he's a guy who I had compared in my write up of him to in sort of an Emmanuel Sanders meets. Michael Crabtree, um, I think he's the best route runner that I've watched yet. Uh, I think that he's an elite route runner. Uh, I know that his movements and his ability to sink in and out of cuts and create separation at the different stems of the route tree with different things that he does is absolutely elite. I, I love watching him play. I had a little bit of a worry about him that since Trent Taylor was it's so, it's not so weird to say that Trent Taylor there at Louisiana tech was basically like a, a force to be reckoned with as a, as a volume player, it might take a little bit of attention off of Carlos Henderson, but 
you know, he, he came in and he was by far my top guy. I think that my score on him was like a 38, which, it, I mean, doesn't mean anything to our listeners. But to Byron, I mean, you'll... That's a you very know, high that's score. That's an v- extremely high score. It's higher than anybody from last season. So, uh, you know, Carlos Henderson, I was just... I was extremely impressed with him. I think you told me you had him after the uh, session was over and we tallied things up. I think you... Well, this will be interesting. We're, we're I, had sort of I had him at a plus poll. 30 score, which is a, is, a, is strong. Right. And that's enough to show agreement that right. this was this is a guy that uh, had a good uh, day out there. I'll, so this is interesting, though. I'm, so he came in at 5'11", 199. That's nice. Nine and an eighth inch hands. We're fine with that. Ran the 4'4'6" put up 13 reps on the bench, had the 36-inch vert, dropped 10 foot 11 inches on the broad. This is a guy who tested really, really well as far as explosive qualities. He really, though, underperformed when it came to his agility drills. And I can't... And and his 20-yard shuttle, which may explain some of what I was seeing maybe on some of the routes where I didn't give him quite as high a score as you, but you Mm -hmm. might have been giving him a little more score for some of the explosiveness on... On uh, you know when he's getting in and out of of his breaks and up and down the field, it could have been, it could have been, but just when I saw that that was Carlos Henderson and I looked back at my, the work I'd done on him and realized that I had said he was such a good route runner and everything, I thought that everything matched up perfectly and we had a complete alignment and and, and agreement here in all of our intelligence. And then it just throws a little bit of a wrench in it that he should have probably been good at the agility scores just to have it perfect, to say, like, all right, the film work says it. The on-field score says it. The agility score says it. All the boxes are checked. I love Carlos Henderson. So now it's just the one little worry I just have is, is those agility scores. We'll see. I, I'll bet you maybe this pro day he can up those a little bit. And to be honest, I am not that worried uh, about it. I think the Carlos Henderson's a player who's getting probably slept on a little bit if he's being projected as a day three pick as a day three pick at this time. Listen, I'm not sure. We might have to save session two scorecards for the next podcast. But we let's go will ahead and finish. Let's go ahead and finish this one out. Yes. And do you know who I want to talk about next? Well, hopefully your next uh, top performer on your wide receiver scorecard. Well, that was Zay Jones. Which is exactly why I think the trash man was trying to set me up and needle me about Cooper Cup <laughs> because he wanted to circle back with the Zay Jones comments. I know it. And I potentially think he also has a dirty, nasty trick up his sleeve. He wants to come back at me with some Amara Darbo ammunition. I don't want to hear his Amara Darbo trash. Trash man's a piece of human garbage. Darbo couldn't even crack 28 points, I don't think, in this session. The uh, the the other guy, I mean, you guys have heard us talk about Zay Jones over and over and over again. Terrence Williams, it seems like he's set to be let go in, in Dallas, even though Dallas sources told us they would love to keep him during the course of the combine. I don't think they're going to be able to with that six to eight million dollars that he's asking. I think he's going to be a go else, like Byron and I have talked about on this podcast. He's going to be an Alvin Harper. He's going to go elsewhere and not do anything for a team as their number one weapon. Um the guy who is the guy who after Zay Jones though the the guy who I loved Zay Jones who I also had a quality score on he had a good and, out and whose all senior bowl team Zay Jones is ran is, four four six he had a good combine he's just the boxes are being checked they they have been. It's done. He 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 needs to be a second round pick. If he falls out of the second round, that's cocking. And the talk on the street is that the the that the teams are warming up to him. NFL teams are not were were cold on Zay Jones before the process. A lot of them were concerned about his athletic ability. How can you be cold on the kid? You see his personality and the way he talked. Like in the interviews we've got to do with him, he's just amazing and, and he's he's performs well, amazing. That's why I said cold before the process and he's warming up now. Remember, as the process is dad, gone. National champion is a Dallas Cowboy, Terrence Williams gone. 
I love the idea of Zay Jones to the Cowboys possibly in the second round. Um, and then the other guy. Terrence who, Williams, who the Cowboys like. Who they like. But, but as we predicted, gonna, for the $6 to $8 million he's going to get on the market, million. it's impossible for the Cowboys. The Cowboys need to pay rookie contract money at the wide receiver two position. KD Cannon from Baylor. Yeah, right. One of my right. top performers, and I couldn't believe it because he's a guy who I was not quite as high on as Byron. I think he's a little bit of a one-trick pony and a vertical threat. Well, what makes you say not as high as, as me? Because honestly, I think that was basically essentially what my write-up said. He's a little bit of a one-trick yeah, pony, but, but he's really a really good with him. One. He said, "We got to get to the pro day to see Katie Cannon. We got, you know, we got to. Uh, I, I got to do Katie Cannon's. You know, you've like you had, he every, he's you, had, you, had a, you had a whole list of guys to choose from. And the first guy you choose is Katie Cannon. And I, you know, I mean, I just thought you kind of liked well, the that's guy. True, he's been on and, my radar for about three years. <laughs> yeah. And so here's the thing: he wasn't really on mine. And then at his interview, he said, "We don't run the whole route tree at Baylor, and so." You know, I really need to work on my route running all this stuff. I'm just like, oh Jesus! You know, I'd like this. That's not what I want to hear from these guys. But he gets out there, and this is a this is a deal where it's like a blind look at these guys. I, I don't know what they look like from up in the up in the press box. You know, I'm, I'm just going by the numbers that are on their shirts. And this guy was crisp in and out of his cuts, explosive. Another guy that can sink his hit, hips and get in and out of them in, in ways that you wouldn't have thought if you had just watched his Baylor tape. So I think Katie Cannon, he's one of the guys that probably, I think I have him ranked fourth or fifth on my list. I'm sure Byron probably has about the same. When you average out both of what we have and Band puts the formula on it, he could be right up at the very top of the list. And if this is a Kenny Stills with Kenny Stills type sorts of you know vertical ability, if he can also have a little bit of you know, I think a, it's a Kenny if, Stills. If he can have a little bit of, of usage like inside too in the in the intermediate areas, like Katie Cannon could be a, actually finally a, a wide receiver out of Baylor that does something. Yeah, my cops, my comps for, for Katie Cannon were Ted Ginn and Kenny Stills, but I knew I was missing one after the combine inputs came out today and I was able to look at mock draftable. I found a third really nice one for Katie Cannon, and that's Travis Benjamin. I think he's somewhere in that range of players. After reeling off the four four one, the hands are a little bit small. But as Alex said, the main concern is the route running ability for him to score this well on our performance scorecards. That's across all the routes. Uh, the guy really showed himself well on the field. We get to group five, the second group on the wide receiver scorecards on the next episode of the podcast. This brings the podcast episode six to a close. Please go to rosterwatch.com, get a pro membership, download the scorecards. They should be up, I would say, by Tuesday or so, Tuesday or Wednesday. Once Mike Band gets them back, they will be uploaded. They will be in the pro uh, download section. Go get a pro membership. Like I said, it costs less than a cheap cup of coffee, and you can just look through it route by route uh, on your own. We'll also have a sortable edition where you can sort by the routes, and you can see who ran each route best or you know sort any way that you want to. Uh, so go to rosterwatch.com, get a pro membership. Also, please go to iTunes, Stitcher, wherever you're listening to this podcast. If you like it, we know we have a lot of listeners. You guys bug us on Twitter. Go give us a rating or review. The next time that you ask, when's the next podcast coming out, we're going to ask you, did you give it a rating? For Byron Lambert, I am Alex Dunlap. This has been the Roster Watch Podcast. We will see you next time. Hey.